direction, but you can turn with me to Romans chapter 3, and we're going to start uh, a series, and I don't know, like I said, how long I'm going to go, we'll just see, but uh, I entitled it Justified, and, uh, and so how many of you realize that when we understand what Christ has done for us, it will change everything? And, uh, you know, and I think, um, you know, there's lots of words that the Bible uses in the New Testament to describe us. But one of the ones that's a, a common theme is justified. And uh, But I want to share some things. I have some things in my heart that I want to share with you this morning. Um, because I think it's important that we understand uh, who we are in Christ. Uh, you know, I, that's the foundation. I mean, it's one thing to get saved. But, you know, you can get saved. But now you've got to learn. And even if you've been saved, you've got to learn to walk in that salvation. And one of really the most foundational truths of Scripture is that God is no longer mad at me. Right. You know, now that's my version of it. But God is not, uh, I'm not running, hiding from God, trying to just make it another day. With, no, He looks at me completely different now. He looks at you completely differently now. And the enemy will come. And I believe that the, if anything, the, the enemy tries to attack our identity in Christ. Why? Because if we ever realize who we are, he's in big trouble. Uh, you know, especially in our own lives. I mean, not to mention the impact outside of that, but just even in our own. Why? Because we'll stop believing his lies. We'll stop listening to those things that he says to us to try to get us condemned. If you know you're justified, then he can't condemn you. And so I'm going to share some things with you this morning. And we're just going to kind of uh, touch on it a little bit and get started uh, this morning on this subject. But here in, it would help if I got there, Romans chapter 3. We're going to read two verses here. And in verse 19, it says, The law applies to those to whom it was given. Now, this is referring to the Ten Commandments. You can go and if you're not familiar with the Ten Commandments, although most of us probably are. And, uh, but that's what the law was in the Old Testament. Now, there were a lot of other things, but the Ten Commandments was the, the baseline. And then there were other laws and other things. But he says, The law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. And to show the entire world is guilty before God. So the law had a purpose. The Old Testament and everything about the Old, it had a purpose. Number one is what exactly what it says here is that it keeps us from having an excuse. I mean, you go read the Ten Commandments. Now, as a believer, somebody who loves Jesus and is trying my best, I can go read the Ten Commandments and be like, yeah, I missed a couple of them. If we're honest. And I just mean like since yesterday, you know, like, I mean, there are things. Why? Because we're still walking out the salvation. It's not fully completed in our life. Now, in our spirit, man, yes. You know, but the law proves to us what? It, it proves our need for God. It proves that, hey, we can't measure. Like, here's the standard and I don't measure up. But that was the purpose. And the law was pointing to Christ. And so here uh, we read and it says that uh, the purpose was to keep us from having excuses. And so the entire world would realize their need for God. That's why I would say this, that the world would be guilty before God. For no one can be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The, the law simply shows how sinful we are. So even if it were possible, let me say this. Jesus himself, who was perfect. Anybody got any debate against that? Jesus was perfect. Jesus was sinless, right? If Jesus lived a normal life and just died and got buried, even his life couldn't have, um, as it says here, made him right before God, even though he obeyed the law. Now think, let that sink in for a second. Jesus being perfect, the law wasn't enough. That there, why? Because there had to be a shedding of blood. There had to be a sacrifice. There had to be a laying down. So the law in and of itself was never an answer or a solution. It was just buying some time, moving until what Christ would ultimately lay down his life for us. And that's the reason that we celebrate Easter. You know, and so we see this here is that even the law had its flaws. It, it had problems and it created things. But one of the things that it does do is it shows us is that we do really need God. Is that there, there has to be more that we in and of ourselves don't contain an answer or we can't be good enough. We can't work hard enough. We can't improve enough to say, God, I deserve a relationship with you. I deserve to go to heaven. In Galatians chapter 3, we read here and it says, Galatians 3.23 
It says the way of faith in Christ was available to us. Or it says before the way of Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. Now, other translations say it this way. One of them, the King James says that the the law was like a schoolmaster. The New King James says that it's like a tutor. Anybody else ever get tutored when you were younger? You had somebody who was helping you in a subject to what? To learn better because what you were learning from your teacher, because it was your teacher's fault, because they needed to be a better teacher. So they weren't a good enough teacher, so now you had to go get a tutor so that you could learn the subject, right? That's the way I always felt about that, was if my teacher was better, I wouldn't need a tutor. But it might have helped if I'd shut my mouth and listened a little more too. (laughs) Probably not though, probably not. It says here, it says, we were placed under guard by the law says we were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. So we were kept in protective custody by the law until the way of faith could be revealed, which ultimately came through Christ. He says in verse 24, he says, let me put it another way. He said the law was a guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Now, here's one of the things that we have to understand even about grace and even as we're talking to people and ministering to people and loving people. And this is just a truth is that God is not okay with sin. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. He doesn't turn a blind eye. He acknowledges sin for sin. Now, there's a lots of types of sin, but grace doesn't just absolve people of sin. It doesn't. I mean, God really, why? I mean, what did the Ten Commandments do? Did it not point out sin? Don't steal, don't kill, don't lie, I mean, don't covet. You know, I mean, it pointed very plainly, says, hey, this is sin in our life. And the law here, and it says, is that it was the, the law was given, and all that came with the law, because obviously with the law came the sacrifices of. Bulls and goats and birds and sheep, you know, you name it. Why? Because it was just a protection. It was a way to get us to the point where Christ would come, where faith could now be made available for us. The way of faith. And so he says, the law was a guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Now, here's the thing about sin and about God is that... That we have to understand is that no, God is not okay with it, you know. But the other side of it is, is that God does love us. Absolutely. God loves us, but God is also a just God. In other words, there is a standard that God has established. And it doesn't matter how much He loves us, He cannot violate the standard that He created. He said, here's the mark. So, I love you. Here's the standard. You know, but even in that, and, and if and for God to actually ignore sin, it would actually cause him to be unjust. And he will not be unjust. He cannot be unjust. He is a God of justice and righteousness. And, and here's the standard. And when we don't live up to those things, guess what? We've missed the mark, right? I mean, that's why we're here this morning. Why? Because we've all realized that I need saving grace. I need the power and the presence of God to help me. You know, and we thank God for grace. I I do. I mean, grace is still something that I have, I think, only really began to even somewhat comprehend and fathom and much more uh, even try to apply it to my life because I didn't understand grace at all. Uh, For me, I just didn't. I was a works guy. You know, work hard, do good, all those kinds of things. That was my life. You know, and, and the thing that I found is that that was frustrating. Why? Because I was trying to live under the law. Jesus died to do away with the... Well, I'll say that. He didn't die to do away with it. The Bible actually says he died to fulfill it. To bring it to a completion. To fulfill its purpose in our life. You know, and so even though that God does love us, yes. I mean, there's sinful things in our life. You know, sometimes people, especially non-believers, especially in our dealing with them, they may wonder why their life is falling apart. Well, are there areas of sin in your life? Sin, you can't say that. That's not not culturally sensitive. The Bible talks about it a lot. And it also says that the wages of sin are death. 
Right? I mean, if somebody ran in here on fire, I'm not just going to tell them, hey, your hair's on fire. I'm going to help them. Right? I'm not just going to say, well, I don't want to offend them by telling them their hair's on fire. Like, hey, you know, glad to see you this morning. How you doing? Come on in, have a seat. (laughs) I mean, no, there's a problem. Now, I believe, now let me just say this to qualify, and I say this a lot because I really believe it to the core of my being. If I'm going to have that conversation with somebody, it's going to be in the context of a relationship. And it's not going to be from a judgmental standpoint. I always encourage you to pray before you have that conversation and say, Lord, let my words be your words. God, give me the right words. Holy Spirit, help me. We're not self-righteous people running around throwing sin on folks. Jesus said, he who is without sin, let him throw the first stone, right? So if you got a stone in your hand, just think about your own life first. You might drop your rock and, uh, you know, but that's important. But yet, and we, and look, and, and honestly, I don't have to tell you much about sin. Why? Because we were born with sin consciousness. I don't have to tell my son that he should obey me. He already knows it. I mean, you know, he gives me that kind of like little half look, like, is he serious right now? Like he, I mean, he's not even two. He can't even hardly, I mean, he has a few words, but he already knows right and wrong. Now, there are some things I'm going to have to teach him. But there is an element that he knows what's right and wrong. He knows that he should obey. He knows that he should do certain things. Right? Well, it's just, it's, just, it's human nature. We, we have something on the inside of us. It's our conscience. It's that moral compass on the inside. You know, and, and so, you know, and one of my, con, I guess my concern, if you will, is this. Is I don't want you to be more mindful of your, of your sin than you are of the grace of God. As in your sin is greater than God's grace. It's not at all. They're not even in competition. Our, our areas that we struggle in, the areas that we may miss, and I believe many times is that the things that we struggle with are simply an identity issue. Is that we've not seen scripturally who we are, and therefore we still struggle with things that we have power over. Because we're now identifying with our struggle instead of identifying by the grace that we've been given. You know, Pastor Jack Hayford, some of you know who that is. He, he defines grace this way, and he says that grace is God meeting us at our point of need in the person of Christ. It's God meeting us at our point of need. Well, what's your point of need? God will meet you right there. Doesn't matter what it is. Wherever your point of need is, Jesus will show up. That's grace. It's not, well, I've got to get myself right before Jesus will come. No, Jesus shows up right in the midst of, of chaos, in need. He shows up there. In Acts chapter 13, read a couple of verses here. The apostles are out preaching the gospel. Acts chapter 13, verse 38. He says, brothers, listen. He says, we are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness of sins. Through Jesus, forgiveness of sins. Verse 39 says, everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something that the law of Moses could never do. So even in the Old Testament, under the law, there was no way to be made right with God. There was no such thing as righteousness. And yet here the apostles are preaching and they're sharing this idea is that number one, we can be forgiven of our sin, but we can also be made right with God. They're really two different works. There's one thing for God to come in and to forgive sin. It doesn't mean that he uh, does. Or, it doesn't mean that he doesn't acknowledge it. He does acknowledge it, but he also realizes that there was the price that was paid, which is where we get that term called justified. Let me say it another way: is that justice was fulfilled through Christ. Justice, God being just, there had to be a right thing that had to happen, and that was Christ dying for us. So now, as believers, just as it says here, is that we could be made right in the sight of the Father. Something that the law could never accomplish was accomplished in Christ. So justice was served in the life of Christ for us. Now, that changes everything. What the law couldn't do, Christ did. What the law was attempting to point to, Christ fulfilled. He was the, in a sense, you could, I mean, and you may understand this term, you may not, but Christ was God's end game. 
He was the, the stopping point. He was the finishing exclamation point of what God wanted to do for mankind, for us. And so I want to give you an example this morning and just to try to help you connect with this because I believe, at least for me at times, and I believe that many people struggle with this, is an idea that I know who I was and yet I still am not real proud of my past. I have things that I would rather just, you know, almost like we're intimidated or maybe uh, afraid to even share our story or, or our testimony with people. And yet there's power when we share our story. But when you're ashamed of it, you kind of, you know, maybe whitewash it a little bit, kind of clean it up a little bit, kind of edit it a little bit, make it a little more polished than what it really was. But with that in mind, I think, and this is what I want and I believe the Lord gave me this as an example to, to help you kind of connect with what I want to really have you catch. Is this, is that, you know, kind of put it into this setting. Let's say that you were falsely accused of a crime. Now, you're innocent, right? That's what falsely accused means. You didn't do it, but somebody makes an accusation against you. Said they stole, they killed, they, you know, they did whatever it was. So you have to now go to court... Not because you're guilty, but because you were accused, right? So you go to court, the judge hears the case, take, takes in all the factors, and says, my judgment is that they are innocent. And so you're free to go. Was, so the question is, is, was justice served? If you're innocent, should you have been charged? No. So was justice served? Yes. No different than if you had done a crime and they convicted you as guilty, was justice served? Yes, you were guilty. You deserved the punishment, right? Well, I believe that many times is that taking that same thought, that same mentality, is that we go and stand before God knowing that we're guilty. And yet God says, you're not guilty, which is true. That's what happens when we get saved. Our sins have been forgiven. We have surrendered our life and our heart to Christ. But this is the problem that I think many people struggle with. They know that God has forgiven them, but they still believe that they're guilty. They still carry that guilt in their heart that I miss the mark. That I didn't measure up. We say things like, oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Theologically, that's an inaccurate statement. You are not an old sinner. You were an old sinner. So, and you're like, well, that's just words. It's identity. It's a connection to who I really am. I am no longer that old sinner. I am no longer identified by those old ways. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Galatians 3. So I don't identify by that old life, that law life. My life that was going to be held up against the Ten Commandments. Why? Because grace has come. Grace has been given. But I have received of that grace. Now, what happens... And so, I believe many times people struggle with this thought and this mentality of being justified. Because this is what I shared a moment ago about standing before God, knowing that I'm guilty, but Christ came took my place, took my punishment, now I'm made right before God. But we still believe that God still has a scorecard. Like that God remembers what I remember. Let me kind of, let me. I, I want to help you see this this morning. This is how God sees you. Not as the guilty one who walked into the courtroom. God sees you as the innocent one who walked into that courtroom. And justice was brought. Why? Because the innocent was proven innocent. You, if you were to walk up before God, are not the old sinner who identifies by their sin, who, who identifies by their shortcomings. You, having accepted the grace of God, have now been absolutely cleansed. There's not a hint in God's mind of our past, of our sin, of our shortcomings. We're innocent before Him. And yet, the enemy loves to remind us. Man, you really botched that up, didn't you? 
I bet the Lord's just smiling right now, just proud of you. You proud of yourself right now? The enemy loves to come and to try to remind us of our guilt. He loves to remind us of our shame, of our, of our uh, falling short. See, the Bible actually says that we are at now, right now, that we can stand before God as innocent and blameless. Now, it's still early in the day. To my knowledge, I've not done anything that missed the mark. But the day ain't over yet, right? <laughs> and yet, the enemy would love it, and he's a master at this. He jumps, I mean, the first little hint of condemnation, the first little hint of guilt. He's going to jump all over. I told you you couldn't do this. You know you can't, you can't live this life. You're not strong enough. Living for God's for strong people. No, it's not. It's for weak people. Amen. That's why we come to God. Why? Because we realize we can't do this in and of ourselves. And the Bible declares us to be justified. It says that in Christ that we have now been cleansed or, or, or regenerated. We've been made anew. See, I think that many times that people look at their, and it's not even that they even are, are necessarily aware or conscious of this, but this is how we look at the grace of God in our life, is that I was a convict who was convicted, but somebody gave me a pardon. Does it, you know, I mean, presidents do that. When they're going out of office, they always pardon people. You know, it's just part of, I don't know why, but they, that's just part of what they do. I don't really know why. But, you know, those people are still considered criminals. Why? Because they still were guilty. But they were pardoned. So they're out of jail, but yet they still have a past. And many times that's how people view themselves in light of the grace of God. Well, I'm just a pardoned sinner. I just got off the hook. I just got away with it. Somebody did me a, a favor and helped me get out of the consequence. That's a very short-sighted view of what Christ did. That's a very minimal view of what he did. No, because it it didn't just stop in that moment. It's a thorough, full cleansing. I mean, we were just singing about it a few minutes ago. What can wash me white as snow? I say there, there was never a mark. There was never a stain. There was never anything that was up short for what God wanted to do. See, when we understand about being justified, it actually gives us confidence to stand before God. It actually, if you don't understand that you're justified, it'll hinder the way you pray. You'll come begging God instead of standing on your promise. God, if it's it's your will, what does the Bible say? God, if you would just work for me this one time. I'm not looking for a favor from God. I am the favorite of God. You're the favorite of God. I'm not looking for God to just throw me a bone. He did more than throw me a bone. He threw me a savior. He threw me a Messiah. That's a huge difference. And it changes the way that we now should live this life. It changes the way that we now should think. About ourself, who we are, about our position. Look, does it mean that we're perfect? No, absolutely not. That's why it's a good thing that we've been justified. It's not about perfection, but it is about aligning and understanding who we are. It's not about worth and value and saying, well, I, you know, that, I, that I've earned this or I've become this or whatever it may be. No, it's, it's, a, it's a resting saying that what Jesus did was thorough, complete, and finished. And now I'm going to stand on what he's done for me. Because he calls me justified. Me, you know, last week, or yeah, we were talking out of Isaiah 53, and it's around verse 12, 13. I can't remember which one now. Maybe 11, 12, 13, right in there. But it, I shared about how that he would look at the, the sea of humanity that would have received grace because of his sacrifice. He says, hey, it'll be worth it. What he'll actually be saying is these are the justified ones. These are the ones that I brought justice to. The ones I bought justice for. See, and there's this connection to the word of God that we can see and that we actually get to experience. And that it's not just grace to get saved, but it's actually grace to live. 
See, so many times I think that, that we have this mindset or this mentality. Well, yeah, there's, there's grace and there's strength for me to get saved. But what about today? That same grace is still here to empower you today. It's not in our own strength. It's not in our own ability. There's a leaning of all that we are upon the person and the work of Christ in our life. That says, Lord, I need your help today. I need your strength today. I need your wisdom today. And grace says, yes. And I can't remember the other day I was asking, I think we were at our men's group and I asked Joey something. I gave him two options and his response was yes. You know, I don't remember what the question was. What was that? I can't remember now. But I'd ask, I was like, was it this or this? And his response was yes, it's both. Like it's not one or the other, it's both. God's answer to us is yes. God, will you forgive me? Yes. God, would you, would you heal me? Yes. God, would you deliver me? Yes. God, will you, will you work in my life? Will you work in my mind? Yes. He's not holding anything back. Why? Because we have been justified through Christ. I'm not guilty and I'm not trying to become perfect. And I'm not trying to become innocent. I've been made innocent. I have been recreated, the Bible says. Regeneration. A a, a new birth is what we even call it. Well, I've come alive unto God that that old man has died. That old guilty man, he's gone. Now I get to live as justified and proven to be right with God. I've shared this before, but I love this statement. I got it from somebody else. I don't remember who, but it's still good. I love it. He says, I'm a son by birth, not worth. I'm a son. Now, some of you are men in here. You're a son. If you're a lady, you're a woman. But so you'd be a daughter. I'm a son by birth. You're a daughter by birth, not worth. I'm not trying to become or earn anything. I have been justified. You have been justified. Christ's worth makes us worthy. His value, His worth. And so we do this as we stand upon the finished work of Christ. And that's where grace is found. So if you're, if you're in a spot where you're like, man, I, I need the grace of God. I need the help of God. I need the work of God in my life. Grace is found in the person of Christ. You have to look nowhere else. You ain't got to beg. You ain't got to plead. You ain't got to barter. You ain't got to do squat. Why? Because Jesus said it is finished. His work was finished. It was complete. It was thorough. We find grace in his finished work. And here's the good news is that in that finished work is the place Where we find forgiveness for past and even present. Why? Because we all miss it. We all have areas of our life that's probably not quite where they need to be. But there is grace, not just for our past, but also for the now. But there's also another degree, and and we'll probably look at this more in depth here later, but that there's also a power that we now can live differently. I'm not just buying time until I can get to heaven. No, there's a power, there's an ability that comes through this justification that now empowers me to live a a new type of life. Not dependent upon me, but dependent on the one who's on the inside of me. The one who's on the inside of you. But that causes, you know, but I believe that we also have to put a demand upon that on the inside of us. I mean, I, I would say it this way, is that, you know, I mean, the Bible says about Christ, it says that he was the anointed one and the anointing and his anointing, right? Well, we, do you realize you can place a demand upon the anointing of God that resides on the inside of you right now? You realize every one of you do have the anointing of God. You're like, well, I don't know about that. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit not the anointing of God? Okay, so if the Holy Spirit's in you, He is the anointing. The Holy Spirit's in you, the anointing's in you. And you can place a demand upon that anointing and say, Lord, I need whatever it may be. And I'm asking you, you know, one of the verses that, that really uh, the Lord stirred in me for this year was you have not because you ask not. Well, place a demand upon the anointing. It's the spirit of God living on the inside of you that what will cause us to live differently. To cause us to rise up and live at a different level. But none of that happens if you don't know who you are. Amen. If you're still identifying as that guilty person who's just been covered By the blood of Christ. No, he washed it away. You are not an escaped convict. 
that's just running around. It's like, oh, I got some free, I got away. No. You are completely, 100% thoroughly cleansed. Absolutely. That's what justification means. Let me say it this way. Is that justice has been served on our behalf. God's not out looking for the old me. He knows where he is. He's dead. You don't go looking for a dead person. You know where they are, right? I mean, my grandparents, all but one have passed away. I know where their bodies are today. They're in a grave with a headstone. I can go and look at it. You know, I mean, I know where they are. Why? They're dead. You don't have to go looking for dead people. God's not looking for the old us. He knows where we are in the grave. We've been set free from that. And now we have a new different life that we get to live through the grace and the power of God. But yet many times we struggle with that mentality and that understanding. Is that we, it's always, maybe not in the front of our mind, but in the back of our mind. It's always kind of lingering back there. And as long as it's lingering, the enemy has something to work with. Now, I'm not saying that we deny our past. I'm not saying that we whitewash our past. I'm not saying that we even diminish it. It's the past. Part of it is what made me me to some degrees. But I'm thankful that I have a God and a Father who is greater than my past. I'm not embarrassed by it. No, God was so good that he came to my point of need and Christ was there to help me. And just as much as Christ was there 20 years ago for me, Christ is still right here for me today. Not any less, really not any more. It's the same. That strength, that that grace, that love is just as available to me right now as it was the first time I said yes to Jesus. And the crazy thing is in our mind, we think, well, but I knew better and I did. So now there's separation between me and God. Now, in our natural mind, that says, okay, yeah, I can see that. But yet God only looks at us as justified. And again, doesn't mean that he ignores our shortcomings. And it doesn't mean that there's not consequence. I mean, if we willingly, knowingly, habitually walk in sin, even as... I don't care if you're a tongue-talking, spirit-filled, prophesying believer. The wages of sin is death. If you knowingly, openly walk in areas of, of sin, you're like, well, how do you know what sin is? Do, what does the Holy Spirit convict you of? Let's just start with that one. Does the Bible say anything about it? Well, does the Holy Spirit say anything about it? Those are your two qualifiers. Because there are some things that, you know, I mean, the Bible even talks about this, that there are things that for me would be sinful, but for you, maybe not. You may be perfectly fine with it. But yet there's conviction in my heart. Well, I'm held not to the standard of what everybody else says. I'm held to the standard of what the Holy Spirit speaks to me. That's now the life of the Spirit that I now live. Not going to be perfect. But I want to grow and I want to be stronger and I want to be better. Sure. But it's not in my own strength. But even in that mentality, I've got to understand that even though I may say I'm guilty, God doesn't. God doesn't look at me and say, hey, there's that guilty joker. No, he says, there's one of the righteous ones. One of the justified. Go read in Revelations and it talks about the saints. They're all dressed in white. And, and they even, there's one, I don't, can't remember the reference where it is exactly. But it talks about, there goes those righteous ones. Those who had received the grace of God. That's who we are. That's who we are right now. In Romans chapter 5, read you two verses here. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Has anybody ever been saved by anything but faith at this point? Anybody? At this point, is salvation still not by faith? Has anybody been to heaven yet? Has anybody seen their home yet? Has anybody seen that place that Christ went to prepare for you? Have you seen the throne room of God? Did you see Jesus hanging on the cross? No. So it's by faith. 
The only guarantee that I have that salvation is true is what? Is by the inner witness of the Holy Spirit that confirms what has happened in my life. Well, even that, I have to receive by faith. How do I not know that? That's just some crazy random thought that I have. Somebody, you know, I got all emotional at church and somebody convinced me that Jesus would die for me and that I would be made right. Well, because I have the word of God to confirm that. I have the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. But we've been made right. We've been called justified by faith. It's an act of my faith. Let me say this. It's an act of my will to believe that I'm justified. I choose not to believe the facts. I choose to believe what God has said. Because the facts are, I am a sinner. That's what my, that's what my life says. That's what my decisions have said. My past decisions have said. I don't measure up to the law. But thank God I don't live under the law. I live under what we call the dispensation or the time of grace. So he says we've been made right in God's sight by faith. He says we have peace with God because of what Christ, uh, Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. You're at peace with God. God's not sending the bounty hunters looking for you. He's not going to hunt you down. Why? Because you're at peace. God is not mad. God is not angry. God is not upset. God is not disappointed. God is not let down. I mean, let's just be honest. How many of us, I'm going to ask you actually, how many of you believe that you have probably let God down in your life? Every hand just went up. I have good news. We are at peace with God. Oh, but I let him down. You're at peace with God. Oh, but I royally screwed up. You are at peace with God. You don't know how much I knew I shouldn't be involved with this or that and doing this and that. Now, I skipped a verse. I'll come back to it. It's a different one. Verse 2 says, Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now Now, if salvation is by faith, which means it's in the future, right? I've not received the fullness of salvation yet. And yet, he says, now I stand. Salvation is by faith, but yet there's a present reality. So, by faith, I receive salvation that I... But now. So, there's this kind of reality, and it can be a bit of a... Okay, well, if I've not fully experienced salvation, now we can't experience it in large degrees, but not the ultimate fullness. That only comes when we get to heaven. But he says, because of our faith, we now stand and we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. Right now, we stand in a place. I love the way that the uh, New Living says it. A place of undeserved privilege. Undeserved privilege. We now stand. So it kind of begs the question a little bit. Okay, if I've been justified, but if, and if I knowingly... Let's just use this as an example. Okay, I, I'm a believer and I, and I knowingly walked in ignorance or walked in sin. Walked in ignorance. What do I do? Does God just ignore it? No, He's a just God. So what do we do in those moments? It's not... you know, And I think this is important for us. You know, I think that there are some um, religious practices that aren't bad. They've just gotten skewed in time. I'll give you the one that I'm referring to right now, which is the act of confession. The principle is not bad. But to think that I can go talk to another man and say, Hey, can you forgive my sin? No, only Jesus can do that. (laughs) Not a priest, not anybody else. I don't care, you know. Go pray for 15 hours. No, that was already done in Christ. But it is important. Well, what do I do when I miss it now? Okay, I'm justified, but I realize I'm screwing up all the time. I, I miss the mark regularly. Regular offender, what do I do? Well, you have to realize is that you can't identify with those missteps, first of all. That's not who you are. 
What you do is not who you are. No more than Joey is a safety guy. That's what he does. But that's not who he is. That's his... Does that make sense? Joe or Angie. She's not an accountant. She doesn't work in accounting. I mean, that's what she does as a job. But it's not who she is. Just because that's... And so in the same way, I may mess up, but that's not who I am. I may miss them. That's not who I am. Why? Because I have been justified. Now, I have behaviors that I need to get under the blood of Jesus. I need to get under the grace of God. I need to own it in a sense. But I also need to say, God, I realize that I've messed up. And I just want to say thank you for already forgiving me. Why? Because I I want to walk in the power of God. I believe that the act of confession and the act of, of acknowledging our sin can be the very thing that unleashes the power of God in our life. It's when we try to just be like, well, it's covered, it's covered, it's covered, it's covered. We try to sweep it on the road. Well, the problem is, is that, that those things will pile up and they will choke the life of God out of our life. They will. But something powerful happens when we come to God. Now, other people can be involved, but they're not the forgiver. They're not the one that we're coming to. Now, God may tell you. I mean, I remember there's been several times in my life where the Lord led me and said, call this person and tell them. I don't want to do that. That's because I was prideful. And if I prayed about it, I could just keep it between me and the Lord. And there's not quite the same accountability because I can like, you know, I can ignore the Holy Spirit. They're like, oh, no, you can't. Sure, we all do. Don't kid yourself. But yet something happens when you humble yourself and actually call somebody. I mean, I remember there's a particular instance that I'm thinking of right now. The last person in the world that I wanted to call and tell was the very person God said, call that person. I'm like, no, 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 no. And there was a confession that had to happen. That wasn't anything necessarily that sinful per se. But it was just an area of my life that was out of control. Now, if I told you, you'd be like, well, that ain't that big a deal. We're all there. But the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, you call and you own this. And you don't whitewash it and you tell them the truth. And I can tell you this, when I did it, something broke in my life. The power of God became active in that part of my life. Now, the last verse I'm going to give you this morning is this. It's 1 John chapter 1. Start in verse 7. John writes and says, If we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship uh, with each other. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. He says, if we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. John is writing to believers. He's not writing to sinners here. He says, if we say that we're perfect and we don't sin, he said, we're not living in the truth. In other words, let me say it this way, another way. You're living in denial. And he says in verse 9, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful And just, here's that word again, just, where we get justice from. Righteousness, doing right and being right. He is faithful, who Christ is faithful. And He's just. He will fulfill justice for us and will forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Verse 10 gives a little stout warning here. He says, if we claim that we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar. And showing that his word has no place in our hearts. That's a pretty stout statement. I don't know about you, but I definitely don't want to be calling God a liar. I don't want to be on the bad side of of him, for sure. But he says, and you can actually take really the context of what he's saying here. That if God's word has its place in our hearts, it will show us areas of our life that aren't what they need to be. The grace of of God is not the great eraser that just wipes away our problems. Yes, it's forgiven and yes, it's covered. But the grace of God empowers us to overcome those areas of our life. And God's word is the key there. 
Is that when God's word has its rightful place in our heart, it will strengthen us. And just as I was talking about a moment ago, that when I acknowledged an area of my life that was out of control, all of a sudden the grace of God came in. Why? Because I was honest, not just so much with somebody else. I was honest with myself and said, this is crazy. And I need to stop this. Now, again, it's not anything, you know, you can think whatever you want. I don't really care, but it wasn't, you know, it probably sounds worse than what it was. But yet it was a big deal to me. And the Holy Spirit had been dealing with me about it. And there was power when I got honest with somebody else. Now, I'm justified and I'm right before God. But yet what I'm experiencing in my day-to-day life was not all that God wanted it to be. I'm forgiven, I'm justified, praise the Lord. And yet there was a power in my life that was weakened by decisions. But when I got my decisions under the grace of God, there was now power and ability from God that I could actually walk in the way God calls me and the way God sees me as being justified. See, and that's the truth for us. Is that there is a life to be lived because of where we stand right now. The Bible says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so many times it's a cooperation between me and the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit that has to take place. But when I do that, that's when the ability of God comes and the work of God comes. And then in that moment is when we get to do exactly what it says in Romans 5, 2. At the end it says that we now stand in this place. And he says, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. I can actually approach God with confidence, knowing That when I stand before him, I'm justified. That I've been made right in his sight. One of, uh, you know, long time ago I was in Bible school. And one of the things, one of the statements that probably I still remember more than anything else of every class I took was this. One of my professors was talking about the love of God. And and he made this statement and he said this. And um, he said that when God sees you, he sees it through blood-stained eyes. In other words, he sees me and he sees you through the blood of Christ. And that blood is what... Declares us as justified. It, it, it calls us not guilty. It says that we are innocent. Before a holy, righteous and just God. But when we understand this. The lies of the enemy and the lies that the enemy would try to tell us will lose their power. When he comes to you and says, oh you're no good. Oh but God says that I am. Oh you can never succeed. Well the Bible says I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. You're never going to be able to overcome this area. But the Bible says that I'm more than a conqueror. All of a sudden, my mentality begins to think differently. And all of a sudden, the enemy tries to come and to lie to me. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, wait. But God says something different about me. So really, we have a choice. When it really comes down to it, am I going to identify by who God says I am? Or am I going to identify with who the devil says I am? Which one? I know this one here. I'm going to feel bad. I'm going to feel guilty. I'm going to feel miserable. It's just bad. On this side, God says, hey, you're justified. And I say that you're not guilty. And I've got life and grace and peace over here. I've got nothing but fear and frustration and aggravation over here. I think I want to stay over here. I think I want to be in that place and say, God, I just thank you for what you've done for me. And who you are and what you've called me that I am. It's not because of my works. It's not because of who I am. It's by your grace. And I thank you that you declare me to be justified. You know, we're going to recognize our our members, new members that are here this morning in a few minutes. But, you know, this morning, I I just want to take a moment here and do something a little different. But it's okay. I just want Adam just to play. And we're just going to kind of get quiet before the Lord for a moment. And this is what I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray over you. is that I believe that the enemy has, at least for some of you, has caused you to believe some lies. There are some things that he's tried to dig in his roots to get you to believe and to get you to kind of buy into that oh, this is just who I am. Well, my question is what I just said. Are you, are you viewing yourself by what God says you are? Are you viewing yourself by what the enemy, the devil, the liar, the accuser says you are? So I want to take just a moment and just get quiet before the Lord. Look. We're going to take like a minute. We're not taking a long time here. But I want to give a moment for the Holy Spirit to speak directly to your heart. 
to see, is there anything that I believe that's not for my Father? Is there something I'm identifying with that God doesn't say about me? God, I just thank you right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in this place, in this moment right now. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to our hearts. To reveal the lies of the enemy. That, Father, that when when you expose those lies in our heart, Father, that there's power to break those lies. Those strongholds that the enemy would desire to, to hold into our lives. And to hold us back. To keep us from really understanding and seeing ourselves the way that you see us. As being purchased. As being uh, perfectly right before you. So Holy Spirit I ask you. To reveal it to us now. Re- reveal those things. Those, those lies that we've uh, grabbed hold of and bought into. Father I thank you that you would do the work which only you do. To change our hearts Father. for a moment. You don't got to look up. Here's my instruction to you, just briefly. If the Holy Spirit prompted something in your life, just put it up before the Lord and say, Father, I thank you that, that I, I acknowledge that I've received and I've accepted this as who I am. But I'm going to ask you f- to forgive me for believing a lie that you've not said about me. You can go ahead and pray it however you want to pray it, but just between you and the Lord. Father God, I just thank you. Father, that you are our good and our great and our loving Father. Father, that you have declared about us that we are yours, that we have been made right, that we have been brought back into relationship with you. Father, that we could walk and live every day a newness of life, a newness of strength, a newness of your grace and your power in our lives. So Father, I thank you that you would help us to see. Father, I, I pray and ask you, open up the eyes of our understanding Father that we would see ourselves the way that you see us not as broken not as defeated but as Father as as the overcomer that you have for us to be Father I just thank you for your goodness and your power in our lives Father that you are God and Father we are yours We declare, Father, that we love you this morning. We just thank you for it in Jesus' name.